What is going on? It's Coach Johnny. Welcome back to the Performance Plus Podcast. I am joined by Dr. Zach Long today. Uh, we are going to talk about hip pain while squatting. Uh, tons of variations here, Zach. I know you see a ton of it clinically. Um, one of the pro- I think it's one of the most common things that happens in CrossFit, like anterior hip pain. Yeah, I'd probably say for me, it's in the top five things that I see in CrossFit athletes. Um, uh, so- let's distinguish first. Uh, let's talk about hip pain in terms of like hip impingement, like, or femoral acetabular impingement. You'll see some people that get that. You'll see other people that get tendinopathy. I think we'll probably stick to the more joint based pain. So like you squat down and you feel a pinch in the front of your hip that then starts to become painful. That's what we typically refer to as hip impingement. If you, if, uh, if it's more tendon based, more in the uh, white stuff that attaches to said joint. Go back and check out a previous episode of the podcast that all the all the secrets about tendons are in there. So uh, we'll keep it to, to hip impingement. So let's talk a little bit first. Um, what is FAI for more acetabular impingement? Uh, and why does it occur across fit athletes? And then um, uh, yeah, we'll start with that. Then we'll go from there. So it's just when, as you squat down, your hip is a ball and socket joint. It's for a lot of individuals as they get down to the bottom of their squat and just those two bones kind of poke into each other and it can become sensitive. Why it happens so much in CrossFit athletes is because we actually squat to depth. You know, you walk into Gold's gym and you watch, you know, the 10 people that are going to squat an entire day in Gold's gym. Only 10 people even approach the squat rack there. Um, (laughs) Most of them are squatting at parallel at best, but most of them are probably actually hitting a little bit higher than that. Um, and in CrossFit, we do a great job of emphasizing squatting to maximal depth because it's going to uh, allow us to have better translation of our squats over to our Olympic lifts. And also, according to some research, squatting to greater depth creates greater hypertrophy changes in your glutes and your adductors. So it's kind of why CrossFit emphasizes squatting to parallel or even below parallel. And it's just we don't see that very often. And so very commonly, we as a human species, because we don't expose our joints these days when we have chairs and cars and all of that stuff, we don't expose our bodies to that full range of motion squat. People just kind of lose the ability to squat to full depth pain-free. And so they then jump into CrossFit. They start to see those full depth squats show up. And sometimes that becomes a little bit sensitive to their help. And go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, ask a clarifying question. So uh, that term hip impingement, um, what's the, there's some, some more serious kind of joint pathologies, right? Uh, how do you, somebody know when this is just a pinch in the front of their hip versus uh, maybe something that's a little bit uh, more, I guess, serious? Oh, so in the hip impingement world right now, the the research is going kind of crazy because the hip impingement has been like the big thing in the orthopedics world over the last five years or so. And it's become really popular to do different surgeries for hip impingement. But a lot of the research coming out in those surgeries kind of shows that it probably doesn't do as well as we were hoping that they would do. Um, So in general, 
you know, if you just feel pinching in your hips when you squat that doesn't bother you in daily living, then that's just do some modifications to your training, assess your mobility, some stuff I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. When it starts to get in the way of your activities of daily living, that's when you probably want to start looking into things like, um, you know, going and finding a good skilled sports rehab practitioner that can actually help you figure out how to calm this down. Um, there's a lot of different stuff we could talk about in terms of like uh, imaging and things like that, that we won't go too deep in the weeds on, but there been a lot of studies that looked at x-rays and MRIs of people's hips with and without hip pain. And all of the things that would typically, if you had hip pain and you got an MRI, they would diagnose you with a torn labrum or they diagnose you with a cam or pincer impingement. Well, what's funny is we see that even in the majority of people that don't even have pain. One research study found that 70% of people with no hip pain had a um, labrum tear. 70% of people with no pain had a labrum tear. So it kind of makes you question a lot of the different things when if you have hip pain and you go and see somebody and they diagnose you with a labrum tear, well, does that really matter? Because you may have had that prior to having the pain. So I tend to be more of the mindset of let's just adjust your training a little bit and find different things to calm your symptoms down more so than worrying about those anatomical things that show up on imaging. So let's talk brass tacks then. Uh my I'm, my hips pinching when I squat, I should just do banded joint mobilizations and the hip pain will go away. Uh, that's the answer, right? Or is there, do you have something that's more eloquent than that? Yeah. So I, in my head, I have two different types of hip impingement patients that I see that come to see me. And one are my, this is going to be very stereotypical. These are like my 30 to 50 year old guys that are generally very stiff. And they don't have a whole lot of hip mobility. Sometimes it's just from hips being tight. Sometimes that's their bony anatomy is not very tight. For those stiffer people with hip impingement, I do often find that like banded joint distraction work where like they're, they have a band kind of pulling their hip out to the side tends to do a good job of reducing their symptoms enough that they can train and they can start strengthening the muscles around the hip and make it not painful long-term. On the flip side, I see the opposite. I see super mobile females that have a lot of hip motion, but still get this hip impingement pain. And I tend to see that they don't do as well with the banded distraction work. They tend to do better when we do things like, um, if you search my YouTube for a posterior hip capsule mobilization, it just kind of like pushes your hip essentially a little bit deeper in the socket. Those sorts of things tend to make them feel a little bit better. So really for me, in terms of what we do at the hip from like a banded or joint mobilization perspective, I want to take somebody, I'm going to have them squat Let's rate how much their pain is. Let's do a mobilization. Let's go back to the squat and see if it changed. If it got better, great. Let's do more of that. If it didn't change it, let's move on to another mobilization. And if you search the barbellphysio.com for banded hip mobilizations, I have an article that has like, I don't know, 10 or 15 different banded hip mobilizations. Just play around. Find the one or two mobilizations that makes your hip feel better. Do more of those and then build strength around it. And that kind of takes care of you with whichever side of the equation you are. If you follow that model, you'll probably find something that makes you feel better. Then I want to look outside of the hip. So I think a lot of people, you know, when you have pain, it's not just where you have pain, but there are other things that can change what's going on there. So for example, if you got stiff ankles, when you squat, you got to make up for those stiff ankles somewhere. And that's going to almost always be the hip. So you could treat your hip and try to calm your hip down. But if we don't unlock those ankles a little bit, you're still going to always squat in a way that puts more force and makes your hip go through more range of motion. So look outside of the hip as well. And then also look at your technique. So you'll see hip impingement a lot with people that like, um, like if their knees always come in when they squat down, 
your knees come in that puts your hip in what we call internal rotation and internal rotation plus flexion as you squat down puts your hip in a position that really commonly pinches the front of the hip so make sure you have your knees driven out over your toes make sure when you squat you don't overemphasize sitting back in your squat that i like to think more with these individuals on sit down because i want them to push their knees forward and their hips back at the same time not just their hips back because if you really initiate your squat with just your hips sending back you're going to bias your hip mobility more. You're going to eat up more hip mobility. You're going to hit in range of that hip joint faster. When you hit in range, that's when you get that pinchy feeling. So that's sit down in your squat more. Um, and then you also see things like, like a good morning squat fault. So some people, when they come out of the bottom of the squat, they shoot their hips up in the air and their chest doesn't really rise very far. And a lot of times those are people that are a little weaker in their quads than their posterior chain. But doing that movement also closes down the front of the hip. And so sometimes that will make those individuals feel a little pinchy in their hips. So just a big general recap on that. Don't worry about imaging. Find the band mobilization or stretching your hip that makes you feel better. Make sure you're testing and retesting something like your air squat to make sure you're actually doing mobilizations that, that have improvements on you. Look outside of the hip at your technique, at your mobility, at how you move. And that sort of stuff should have people in a much better position in terms of uh, reducing hip pain when they squat. As far as uh, outcomes for you, like how long can somebody expect to kind of deal with uh, like uh, anterior hip impingement before you kind of get that? Uh, not just symptomatically better, but before they're, you feel like they're squatting, you know, full range of motion back to comfort, not thinking about pinching anymore. What I typically find is that like within every session, we should see marketable, uh, observable, repeatable, like proven improvements in certain symptoms. It's like when you and I are treating somebody with hip impingement, we're measuring how deep they can squat. We're measuring how much hip mobility they have. And we should see every session that improving to make sure we're doing the right stuff. Typically, I'd say for my average crossfitter that's been developed, that's developed hip impingement that's not been bothering them for more than like two or three months, typically in the four to six week time frame, I'm going to have them feeling better. Unfortunately, though, what I see very frequently is this is something that, that a lot of the medical world hasn't caught up on the diagnosis of hip impingement yet. And so more often than not, I see people that have been dealing with hip impingement for one to three years before they actually end up in my clinic. And the longer you've had pain in an area, the harder it is to get rid of it. So those will take a little bit longer. But for your general fit, healthy person that's just dealing with acute hip impingement, four to six weeks should be a good landmark for when we should be doing really, really well. What about modifi modifications to training? Like yeah. if you're using a lateral band distraction and clearing pain, um, are you having persons still squat loaded full range of motion or are you dialing back anything while they're dealing with this? If we can get like a warm up mobility routine that gets them to where they can then squat full range of motion pain free, then I want to squat full range of motion pain free. At times we have to go. My first choice in modifying stuff would be to change the variation we do. So a lot of times going to front squat is a lot more friendly on this than a back squat. Back squats, we lean over more, we use more hip mobility. So I'd rather you switch to a front squat and squat through more range of motion than doing something like reducing your range of motion and only squatting to just above parallel 
I'd rather you go full range of motion with a modification, but there are times too, where we have to go and we have to do a squat to a box or, you know, stack a medicine ball under some bumper plates or on top of bumper plates and limit somebody's depth a little bit, just so that they're not constantly like poking the bear. I think of this a lot as like a bruise on the front of the hip. You don't want to keep poking the bruise. You're going to keep that bruise there. So let's try to modify stuff to not poke it as much, but still stay really active. So for the the novice person that got scared when we said cam pincer impingement and then freaked out during imaging, uh, what what are some practical steps that you would like? Hey, I'm just listening to this podcast. I feel pinched in the front of my hip when I do an overhead squat. Um, where can I go? What should I do to start addressing this? Um, honestly, for me, if if you don't feel like it's at a point where you need to see a medical provider, it would be. Let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, the barbell physio band hip mobility. Let me see the actual title of it. The best banded hip mobilizations for improved hip mobility. Check that out. There's like 10 to 15 different mobilizations in there. Use that. Follow the test retest model. Anytime you have an injury or you're trying to improve your performance, test retest. So you actually figure out what are the things that are creating the changes that we want both within session and between sessions. So, you know, if you do that mobilization and it feels better before and after, but every time you come back into the gym the next day, you're kind of back to your baseline, then it's having an effect, but it's not having a big enough effect. And we got to figure out, do we dose that up or do we go to a slightly different exercise? But as long as you're always doing a test retest, you're going to know if you're on the right stuff or not long-term. Is So you backtracking a little bit, uh said look at other things too right so we're checking ankle mobility uh we'll check actual physical hip mobility and make sure you're not having some sort of compensation to get range um but check out uh check out performanceplusprogramming.com uh forward slash ultimate mobility checklist because those again if you have crappy ankle range of motion you can't get position and you're compensating in the squat and like zach mentioned earlier until you deal with these issues the impingement will always be there and doesn't matter how much you use a long lever banded hip distraction to make your joint feel better uh it's going to just keep getting irritated so uh always find those root causes too and if you're at home uh and you're not at a level where it's annoying but you don't need to see somebody um start with those things and and we'll give you the solutions for dealing with those little potential underlying things. You think that, is there a common mobility restriction that you kind of find correlate or is it just all over the place? Um, More often than not, it's ankle mobility. It's probably the most common thing that I see in people. Okay, cool. Anything else you want to add to a, a hip pinch conversation? No, I think that covers it. Yeah, cool. Me too. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you uh, need any help, you can always DM uh, at Performance Plus Program on Instagram or DM at the Barbell Physio. Also, make sure to check out all the resources we mentioned today in the show notes. Uh, thanks for joining us. Pop back soon, and uh, we will be talking about lats and CrossFit. Mm-hmm.